Hi, I'm Harriet, a mental health professional and educator, and this is Dawn Breaks, the podcast all about finding hope and maybe also healing after reaching rock bottom. This week's quite literally breathtaking episode comes with a bit of a warning. We're going to be talking about extreme anxiety and quite debilitating mental health challenges. So this could be quite triggering for you if you are experiencing some of these things. But it doesn't mean that I don't want you to listen. There's nothing in here that I wouldn't want you to hear. Instead, there's a story which is really inspiring, but I do want you to go in with your eyes open knowing what we're going to be discussing and if that might be challenging for you. I am so grateful to Jodie for her courageous vulnerability in sharing this story and I am absolutely, utterly proud of the conversation that came out when we recorded this episode. I really hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode of Dawn Breaks and I am delighted to welcome Jodie who's joining me today and she's going to tell us a little bit about her story. So welcome Jodie. Hi there. Thank you for joining us today. How do we find you? You find me in an unexpected place. I thought starting this podcast I'd be very grounded and in a particular way to you know, share my story with you. Yeah. But I do arrive a little bit um, unsettled, a little bit anxious, but okay. um, but I'm all right, yeah. Good. And I hope and, we settle yeah. some of those nerves. I think it is nerve-wracking, actually, going on a podcast or anything recorded like that, especially, like, doing it for the first time or with someone new. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I always tell my yoga therapy clients, uh, or the invitation is always for them to sort of arrive just as they are so I kind of perfect. need to practice what I preach and do perfect. that perfect <laughs> perfect yes Jodie love that love that okay so I mean you know already a bit about the podcast you reached out to me a while back and have been a fan from the beginning which is really so nice so lovely to have you on and what I generally like to do I'm just gonna let the listeners know just in case someone's listening for the first time what I like to do is follow your story in time order so I won't give you a big introduction about what you do now but we'll get to that later on when we get towards the end we'll talk about what you're doing now but instead I like to go back and start at a time when you felt very low or you felt very hopeless and you're feeling at a bit of a loss and then we'll work our way forward to things that might have supported you to feel a bit hopeful and then how that has led to what you're doing now so I wonder is there a time that you feel comfortable to share with us when you were feeling very low or perhaps hopeless yeah sure I mean I would say throughout my life as with many people there's been many peaks and troughs Mm. probably since the age of around 12 I experienced first feelings of sort of anxiety and feeling unsettled and like I say there's been stronger moments in my history when things have happened yeah where, where that's kind of arisen a little bit more but I suppose the strongest feeling or the longest feeling of feeling in a very dark and difficult place was back in 2017 okay so I'm happy to share around that. Okay, so tell us a little bit about what was happening with, you know, as much as you're comfortable, what was going on that meant it was so difficult for you? Um, I mean, I'd been um, having therapy for a number of years mm. for my sort of general anxiety and such okay. things. And then uh, the 4th of July on 2017, I was in a therapy session and I had a panic attack. Yeah, I'm sorry. But the difference was that this panic attack didn't subside right. and it remained for a period of months. Wow. So, so I like was a heightened, a heightened level of constant anxiety. Completely. My, my system just switched into complete sympathetic arousal. It was oh like my, my whole gosh. universe um, flipped inside out and I was in a state of complete and utter terror. Oh, my goodness. And yeah it's there was such a lot to it 
but at the same time, a very simple time in that I was in, I was just scared. I was just purely and utterly scared. And like I said, this went on for day after day after day for months. Right. And it must have been really, really frightening, really debilitating, you know, in terms of how it impacted you, sort of almost feeling stuck in a way, it sounds like, in a state of feeling terrified. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I've had feelings before, which Mm. I kind of recognise and Mm. plenty of understanding about why I have those feelings. But this time, the sort of physiological response was so strong that there was kind of no getting away from it right Um, I had no no choice really it felt at that time just to be in this state of panic and this state of fear so I mean people talk about fight or flight or freeze responses and it sounds like your body had almost gone into that responding to immediate danger response even if the trigger maybe was potentially difficult to understand where it come from. It might have been accessing back to previous anxiety or it might have been touching on some feelings that you had but hadn't realised before or seeing them from a different perspective. Yeah, completely. I mean, in my life at that time, nothing was wrong. I I was completely safe. Right. Nothing was really wrong. Mm. But um, a situation with a relationship just triggered something so deep within me and a very old deep fear and that's what I believe I was responding to right as if it was happening in this moment yeah in real time because it's almost hard to persuade your body or brain or heart maybe the difference between when you're feeling the feelings so strongly it's very difficult to distinguish between now and when the event happened, when you're in the feelings, isn't it? It's, it's easy to do that with hindsight when you're not feeling it. But when you're, you know, in the state of heightened arousal, heightened anxiety, it's really hard to think the thoughts that might help in order to sort of begin to feel calmer. Completely. I mean, your my thoughts were absolutely racing. My body was yeah. racing. I yeah. couldn't, I didn't know which way was up, which was down. I had to be almost cared for by my absolutely Gosh. beloved family Aww. and superhuman friends that I have. Um, I turned into a child, really. I had to be bathed. I had to be walked, holding my and my hand being held. Oh my um, I couldn't. I obviously couldn't work. It was literally my whole nervous system was just like having a volcano ripping through my body. Right there was absolutely nothing I could make sense of. I had this urgency and panic to try and do something to make the right decision to, to make myself feel okay. Yeah. But it was like I was making life and death decisions when in reality, as I said, there was nothing wrong in my life. Um, The intensity maybe around decision-making had become sort of, huge like uncontrollable and I you know I can sort of relate not to the whole experience but I can relate to putting far too much pressure on myself about decision making and I think it's something that people can do quite easily as well where you put immense pressure on yourself so you're then unable to make a decision because you almost immobilize yourself in a way yeah completely and I wasn't in any position to make a decision about anything you know I I had to split my day up into 15 minutes I'd wake up with like a flash of heat and absolute anxiety at six o'clock every morning and I would be like how am I going to get to 9 p.m to go to sleep how am I going to get through my day so I break my day into every 15 minutes you know, I'd be able to sit on one chair and then I'd start to feel anxiety and I'd have to move to a different chair, mm. you know, it, so on and so forth. So that's when it was really in the, the depths yeah. of it. It was very hard, but it was literally like, you just have to keep keep going. I mean, yeah. there was, I, I don't know how I did it. I mean, it sounds, it's in, an incredible story because my immediate response is to sympathise with you and say, that must have been so frightening for you, but it sounds almost obsolete to say it because of course it was, it was terrifying. You were in that terror scenario. And so it becomes almost 
how do I find the high enough level to empathize with you? You know, it's such a, a difficult thing. And for people to also engage with, you know, what was going on for you, because even when you're describing it, it sounds as though it's really hard to describe because looking back, you're not in, you know, you, you, you're not in that state now. And so it's, it's sort of looking from the outside in on a, it feels a bit like looking in a, a snow globe, you know, looking in a state of time that is quite fixed and at a certain point, but, but you're not there now and you're able to look at it again, if that makes sense. I don't know if I've gone too yeah. abstract there. Mm. No, completely. I mean, even as I explain it now, I'm kind of aware myself that I don't know if I'm putting across the level of intensity. I don't mm. know if anyone would ever be able to understand and feel what I felt. And I know people at the time, it must have been really hard to be like to understand and feel yeah. what I'm feeling I do think there will be people who can absolutely understand what that experience was like even though it's not something that is an everyday experience for people and you know I'm so happy for you that you had such amazing support system around you because it's so essential when you're going through something so debilitating as this was that you have you know, lovely, supportive family and friends around you who were there to kind of be the day-to-day -day support that you needed at that time. Yeah, I mean, I feel very lucky and grateful for that, especially when I considered at the time I was going through it, how on earth do people who don't have that support yeah. get through this? Yeah. You know, yeah. you can see why people end their lives. You can see why people spiral even further. Mm -hmm. um, luckily I had lots of support from sort of the medical profession various yes. therapists yeah. and family and friends which yeah. every single appointment session everything I did was a support network to help me find my own way through it you yeah. know I did it myself yes. but they helped guide and support that so I was safe yes and, and you felt safe I think like that's that framework even if all it feels like it's happening is that you're going to see someone each week. It's a holding framework, isn't it? That helps you feel supported that like you are so right with what you just said there, that it has to be your journey and it has to be you doing the work, but to have people around who can be sort of markers and who can be steady, maybe sort of in, you know, solid in the same place so that, you know, you can be supported by them and rely on them. Yeah. And I think there's some value in, looking at people's faces and they're like it's going to be okay yeah but that can reflect back and you'll be like okay maybe it can be okay yeah yes I love that because it's like borrowing reassurance isn't it borrowing hope from someone else I know that I've had people on the podcast before who've spoken about the idea of just no there's no possibility of them finding hope but they could borrow the reassurance the hope from their family members that that there was a possibility of being okay again and sort of holding on to that, however small, however kind of tiny it feels at the time, but it's something, isn't it? It's something to hold on for. Yeah. I mean, throughout my sort of life and history of when I felt low or what have you, I've always tried to focus on that tiny bit of light, like an absolute speck of light mm -hmm. that you might see. Mm. During this time, I think even that went. Yeah. Um, all my practices that I do from yoga and mindfulness meditation and so on and so forth I continued to do them all my doctor said if you hadn't it would have been so much worse right but it, it got to a point where even focusing on the breath which is the kind of sort of common thing focus on your breath mm -hmm. that I couldn't do that I couldn't you're do slowing anything. your breathing down was potentially really hard when you're that anxious everything was too much and I remember I was in a session with somebody who was given some sort of spiritual counseling guidance mm. and I said to them I don't know how I'm alive right now and they said well how are you alive right now and and I paused for a moment like I'm doing now yeah. <laughs> and I said just hope right and I that's it. Like I have nothing else. There's nothing else left yes. of me. My yes. mind is gone. My body is shot. Yeah. Uh, I've got no direction. I don't know which way's up, which way's down. Like I've yeah. said before, there's there's nothing left of me. But I'm still here. Right. And that <laughs> that, that is it. hopeful. Like 
Oh, I can so relate to that, that idea of you being a shell and then not being, not, you, you know, like you, exactly like you say, you can't keep your mind in a good place. Your body is all over the place. Your hormones, your anxiety, everything is, is up, down, all over. But that sort of empty shell, when you get back to the basics, to the bottom, to the bare knuckles, to, you know, to real rock bottom minimum, there's still something there like and mm-hmm. that is so powerful to get to that point even though none, none of us would choose that for ourselves but to get to that point and just sort of look at it raw as you are to see that there is still a part of you that is alive and wants to be here on some level and and is is a light alive functioning a spirit a body whatever and and that there's something about that, that, that resilience, that sort of courage that it takes to get there that, that I find kind of, it gives, it's giving me goosebumps just talking about it. It's that sort of something within us that's bigger than us almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like even the word hope almost doesn't suffice yeah. to what it is, does it? And yeah, courage, hope, all those things sort of came later, I think, that, you mm. know. um... So tell us a little bit, Jodie, about what happened next. Like, how did you begin to find something that gave you a little bit of internal hope that wasn't taken from someone else, but your own? Like, what was it? Because you talked about doing some practices like yoga and things that you've been doing. But was there anything that really supported you or stands out as as, as an element that really helped? To be honest, it was all a completely organic process, which had to happen in its own time, in Mm -hmm. its own way. Like I said, I continued with my yoga practices and various other things, reading, watching YouTube videos of of different spiritual teachers and so on and so forth. But there was a time when I always have this sort of image in my head of each little tool we have to support ourselves is written on a post-it note and you stick it on your body but it just falls off right so that's how it felt so I was like yeah. I'll try this I'll do this I'll yeah. do this I'll do this but they and all no just fall off working yes nothing yeah. sticks mm-hmm. nothing sticks it might for 20 seconds or two yeah. seconds and then it's off again but I continued doing all of those things good yeah um I continued doing the yoga I did knitting. I pulled yes. weeds out from the garden yeah. over and over again. And that kind of kept me going, but it got to a point where there wasn't really any change. Mm. So it was suggested to me to go walking. Okay. Someone said often at this time in people's lives when they have this experience, you know, mm. some people call it dark night of the soul or yeah. whatever you want to call it, it doesn't really mm. matter that they kind of go on like a pilgrimage or some Mm. time away you know I think about like walk about crocodile dundee or something (laughs) so um so I went walking I put my backpack on and with um my new hiking boots that I bought I went walking for four days just on my own around the countryside sort of around the Kent countryside down to the coast that's amazing Um, that was huge moving from where you'd been you know to then go and make that decision to yeah really big Um, thing I mean at the time all I knew was that I needed space I needed to get away and on reflection I wish I'd kind of done more of that straight Mm -hmm. away Mm -hmm. but I I was at at the same time felt very unsafe and my family were worried for me there so they're not going to want me going off on my own but by this point I was strong enough to to do that so I went walking for four days and it was really really hard and I followed an old pilgrim route and I visited every church on my way and prayed not that I'm hugely religious but Mm. like I said at that time you're also trying to find things (laughs) to help you like God help me help me yeah and it was really hard. There were days when I stayed over at night in places to sleep and I woke up and I couldn't move in the morning, not because right. of the walking, but because my body was just 
perhaps in that freeze state it was yeah. terrified and yeah. I had to use all my might just to move my leg right off one edge of the bed and yeah. then be like right come on now the other leg yeah but in those four days something happened in my body nothing was particularly clearer in my mind mm. although with each step I walked every day I was hoping for that revelation and that clarity yeah but when I got back it had I feel and believe to some extent started to reset my nervous system interesting so it started to be able to move out of the sympathetic more into that parasympathetic calming mm. and I was able to wake up in the morning in a slightly different way right without that absolute heat and terror coming in at 6 a.m I woke up a bit more normally right and and I was like okay this has done something and I feel like the walking was like it brought back rhythm in my body that step 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 mm. one two like a clock yeah like always imagine like a pendulum of a, a grandfather clock going side to side and that's what it felt like and it was by no means oh I was healed I was fine I was okay but it was the starting point where I was right. like okay this is it there's something really powerful in what you've just said there. There's a few things, actually. One thing that really came to mind was patience about needing to wait until you were ready to go, like you were talking about. And that seems really important because me personally, for one, I am really impatient. I want things done yesterday. And that's something I've had to learn. But actually, our bodies sometimes make us wait. You know, they say, no, like, I'm not well enough. You need to wait. And it sounds as though it needed to be at the right time for you. Another thing that it made me think about was that walking and connection to earth, connection to the world, connection to the outdoors and that sort of supportive nature that, that can feel like, again, the thing for me it brings to mind is it being by the ocean really helps me because it reminds me that I'm part of a much bigger story and I'm one small element, but in some way that's really short, reassuring. Mm. And I think there's another thing as well, and it's gone out of my mind, it will come back in a minute, but it, there's something so supportive about that idea of, I love that, the grandfather clock connection, connecting something of order yeah it, it's that kind of rhythm isn't it and you know like you I had such a strong desire to be, be near water which is why I headed pretty much straight down to the coast how um, interesting to be by water I used to lay in the bath and just almost allow myself to float mm. and surrender into the water um, it's such a strong desire and even now it's something I've continued to go near water when I feel the need how interesting yeah and again like you were saying um patience this whole experience really forced me to be present mm. with things as I you know I am someone for running around a bit and a real doer but it forced me to be in the present moment as uncomfortable so as mm. that felt yeah. You know, I, I didn't want to be grounded. I didn't want to be in the present moment at all, but it forced me to. And yeah, stronger for it, I think. Yeah, yeah I think so. Like there's something frustrating maybe at the time and and it more, much more powerful than that in this circumstance. Many feelings around, around it that being made to sort of wait and be present and sit with it. But there's also something freeing something liberating about coming through that coming through and sitting with means that you experience you feel the flow of the feelings of the energy as uncomfortable and difficult as they are and as long as they seem to last you know for you uh, it sounds as though it's a very long time but there is something about coming through the other side and then how strong that that makes you realize you are you know how resilient you are and this was the third thing it's come back to me about going off on your own and walking it's it, there's something really important in that about realizing how capable you are and how resilient you are and how strong you are despite the odds despite everything despite all these difficulties despite this debilitating anxiety how horrendous you're feeling in your body and your mind and low in your spirit but there's something in you that still is able to 
own it I can do this I can do this I can walk I can do one step I can do one I can get one leg out of the bed I can you know and it's that breaking it down into tiny steps isn't it to to just see how one step in front of the other right and that is a manageable you know that's that is a beginning place about one step to feeling a bit better and one step and that might be a physical step as it was in your case or it might be a metaphorical step but that's something really really powerful I think and and the idea of walking seems really simple and really ancient in the Mm. way that it might be soothing soothing us yeah yeah I mean walking is one of the first things we start to develop to do as a child isn't it after we've crawled around I liked how you related it to sort of pilgrimages as well because I think as a society as a culture that's something that we possibly have lost sight of because of our our bit more of a disconnect with religion maybe but there must have been a reason why people wanted to do it and it wouldn't have just been devout religious nature there would have been a benefit you know other benefits as well and it's it's really intriguing to me that whole idea of having a purpose having a journey having a place to go making steps one step at a time I think it's really powerful really profound yeah that's it I mean it felt I don't know what it felt it felt supportive knowing that I was walking a route that many people had walked before yes you know it's a it's a well-trodden yeah ancient kind of route and I had a destination in mind so I kind of knew where I was going but the journey there was literally through hedges me getting lost you know (laughs) all of that stuff which is how life is I guess yeah it is and there's also something really profound in that mirroring of losing yourself and finding yourself in life you know that I find and this is an interesting one now because I can relate when I learned to drive I it was before sat nows were really common and so I had to learn to navigate using a map or a printout or something like that. If I was going somewhere I didn't know, or if I'd moved somewhere different and I didn't know the area, I'd literally have to get out on foot and you work out this road and then you work out the next road and then you work out this bit. And there's something really, really important about being able to build map make in your mind. And it doesn't have to be a real map, but it's finding order and finding structure and being able to place things and finding markers and things that make sense. And it's a mental thing as well as a physical thing of, of beginning to order and structure. And that's how we make sense of things and also make sense of, of mental health. You know, when things seem really confusing and uncertain, finding a way to get lost, get found, find yourself, find a new route seems really empowering. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that aspect before, funnily, but, you know, you're right. I had my little old, you know, it was a map. Yeah. And then when that map ran out because I'd gone over the border, but I had to find my way to a shop that would sell the next right. bit of the map <laughs> right. to carry on. I had my little notebook of places I knew I kind of wanted to maybe get to. Yeah. Um, but it, it was like, right, where am I going to get my food from now? How am yes. I going to do this and get there and um, it's it's sort of back to basics survival isn't it (laughs) which in a strange way you know I think to many people that would be completely terrifying especially now on the in the age of phones and google maps and and directions and connections and you're never very far away from something that can support you in that way but there's something I have found that is so powerful and important that's within myself not in a phone not in google maps that is my intuition that i only discover when i don't have those things that i have to go well i think it's probably this way i'm not sure but i think it is so i'm going to give it a go and then see what i can figure out from that and there is this sort of deep knowing in us to to figure things out we do have this sort of knowledge and even if we don't know that that's the way to go to a physical place in this circumstance but it might be to go to a a 
a, a place or something that you want in a in an everyday situation or towards a goal we don't necessarily know but we know we can figure out maybe the next step and then we'll figure out the next step after that and then we might find something that we can identify and make use as a marker and that something is so I'm trying to find the explanation for it. I'm not sure what the words are but it makes me feel so strong and so powerful when I managed to figure out the way somewhere that I didn't know. And it's trusting that intuition, that inner knowledge in yourself, which is so powerful. And we spend our whole lives thinking, well, we've got, I've got something that will do it quicker. I've got a computer, I've got a phone, I've got something else that will do it better. But actually there isn't anything better than our internal sat nav, our internal intuition. That's what no, I think that's is describing it. It's, um, it's something really important to cultivate, but you need to slow down to do it. You need to have patience. You need to be present and almost let this invisible guide yes. draw you to the next space. And it's so subtle, so, so subtle and easily ignored. Absolutely. But even today I was walking my dog and he likes to pee at every tree, every little <laughs> tuft of grass. Right. But this morning I was like, what is the rush? And I just let him. And it was almost like that sense of it being taken over from me. And it was such mm. a nice little walk back from the park to my house. Because oh. it's that, it allows space and time for that invisible urge of movement yeah. to flow yes, in front than, of you. Yes. Yes, I love that. Rather than just the, well, that's the way I need to go. That's the direction steps in that way. It's it's more organic than that, more natural and more ancient. I don't know why this word keeps coming back to me today, but I think I'm thinking about that pilgrimage following on that, that route that had been trodden by many people before. And that can feel very restorative when you've when you've lost a sense of self, when you've lost a sense of who you are. There's something about connecting with, connecting back with our ancestors, connecting back with the earth, connecting back with then our intuition, our inner self. And you're so right, it does take patience. All of the things that you've been describing as what actually supported you and what you had to go through were exactly what you've just described in that list for what you needed to do to find your intuition. And then it could guide you somewhere. And like you say, it wasn't the end of the healing journey, but it was the beginning. Yeah, it really was the beginning. And from then on, it's been a roller coaster of colourful <laughs> rides and <laughs> deep darkness and days of just feeling okay. Um, but a lot of gratitude and a, I don't know, I was, I was reading a Peter Levine book recently mm. and he was talking about trauma and he was saying something that there's moments of that are just mundane and right. arduous and like nothing's happening. Yes. Everything's the same, like you're stuck, but then there's moments of like color and vibrancy and really poignant moments. Mm. And that's just how it is. That's how um, life is, isn't it? That that's how life is. And, I, and as I go through my sort of journey now, I try not to look back and apply any particular narrative to that period of time. Yeah. Because the truth changes as my perception changes day yes. by day. And it's not particularly helpful because I think it potentially could lead me into more, more traps yeah. and more aspects of trying to control and manage my life. Yeah. So what I reflect on is physical experience in my body mm -hmm. the insights I've had throughout and um, where I'm, I'm on this day because at the end of the day that's all I have to work with and some yes. of those days there are echoes of that trauma yeah of that panic yeah. and then there's echoes beyond that for the trauma that caused the panic in the first place yeah um and while the story and the narrative is helpful to provide some structure and understanding on a mental level, like we've mm. talked about, mm. at the end of the day, I have to, or I can only deal with what is arising in me at this moment. Right. And throughout that first panic attack, the walk and where I am now, there's been such little flashes and moments of 
insight and experiences and feelings mm. that I thought I would never feel right and then they're not profound they're not when I'm set up on a mountain in meditation for two hours <laughs> yes they're, they're when they're when I'm in my local cafe and they bring me my vegetarian breakfast and I just had this swarm of gratitude like right. flood over me and I was yeah. like now I know what gratitude is yes it's moments like that or I love that that's so powerful I also love that you've brought a focus to the really small things like we can only work with what's going on right now and that storytelling idea that you're talking about I can really appreciate what you're saying there because there is something in all of us that wants to tell a story like oh and that time when I had it this bad and that time and that time and that time and these things that happened that didn't help me it can be very easy to build a tunnel back to really difficult and dark places by just saying this feeling right now relates to these 26 previous times and actually that makes me feel awful when I do that whereas when you engage with it as just this feeling alone on its own that I'm feeling right now and then how can I work with that that's so empowering for you like that's so resourceful to then say I'm just gonna do what I need to do right now and the other thing was about this the small thing the gratitude you were just talking about there that it's almost remembering that you can feel joy again. You can connect to those moments again. And then when they come up, you fully let yourself have it, have that gratitude, have that good feeling. Cause you're like, yeah, I love, this is good. I want to yeah, feel this. Completely. And it can be so unexpected. Yeah. But the mornings I now wake up and I just feel okay. I am so grateful. Yes. I know so many mornings I woke up in terror. Mm. And when I was ill, as I call it, mm. um, I'm like, I'll know when I'm better, when I can have a chai tea. And that day I had a chai tea from the coffee shop. I was like, on top wow, of the world. I could never imagine <laughs> yes. this. Yeah. But then, yeah. There was a day when I bought some Crocs and I was like, no one is knowing about this. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously ill here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like things have got this bad. Um, yeah. That's really funny. No offense to anyone who's got any Crocs, but that is funny. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I think, I think it's the really simple things, isn't it? I can, I really resonate with that idea that when you've really been on the periphery, looking your fear, looking your deepest, darkest time straight in the eye, and you're really looking at, at who you are at your raw, most base self, the things that you come back from that with are how much joy you can feel over really simple things and how when you count the joy not even count when you notice it let it count how it builds and you know things like the sun on my skin or that like you're talking about having a vanilla chai or things that have just been small joy bringers for you can become really big things and actually then when you have more and more of those things they add up they build up to be a bigger thing and you think actually I've got at least four things to be grateful about today and then when you focus on that you feel more joy and you feel more pleasure as opposed to focusing on the other parts of the day that weren't so joyful. Yeah I think we're very good at allowing ourselves to feel the negative and to really feel the negative but we're not so yeah. good at allowing ourselves to feel the joy when that comes yeah and it's just yeah. as important because it's at those times when you are feeling really rubbish that those little drops of joy are still in your body and they keep you going so even though you look at the flowers and you can't connect to them because you're feeling so disengaged and yeah. detached and you're desperately wanting to look and engage with those flowers somewhere still in you has a memory of looking and smelling and engaging those flowers which is why you want that's to. what carries mm. you through you know yes. but as I said all of this can't be prescribed and forced it just happens by itself mm. and you just have to trust and surrender to that you know I couldn't have gone out one day and said I want to experience gratitude today <laughs> yes it's a, yeah. it's a it's a culmination of many little things and yeah. then they just arise what would you say to someone who is feeling maybe a really heightened level of anxiety maybe really low one of those kind of feelings what would you say you know what advice would you have given yourself in that moment 
usually the advice I usually <laughs> the advice I give and I give it to myself when things are really hard really mm. high anxiety or what have you and I don't know what to do mm. I do nothing right just do nothing which sounds a bit uh, but it kind of takes a bit of pressure off trying yes. to do something yeah I don't have to decide I and, don't have to solve this yeah and kind of invites a bit of acceptance of how things are and that's where you have to start from how things are yes a Um, bit of space and and allowing that natural grace and life to maybe start to trickle up yeah but I know there's times still now where I feel supremely stuck like the energy is just stuck and I can't do anything about it and I just have to wait it out Mm. and it's just that thing of patience and letting things reconfigure even then it seems like nothing is happening. Yeah. Allowing things to reconfigure. Keep going with something right in front of you in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to put my socks on. Yeah. I'm going to get in the shower. I'm going to put this tea bag in this cup. Yes. Like, literally, that's it. Yeah. That's all that's asked of you at that moment. Yeah. And don't try to feel better. Almost accept that you feel really rubbish. And you might not feel better, which sounds very negative. No, no, like it, sounds, said, it sounds powerful. It's permission giving, isn't it? And that is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just about finding ways to hold yourself in the present moment as you are and know that it's not going to kill you. Yes. There's yep. a lovely Eckhart Tolle video, which a friend directed me to and it's labeled as emergency (laughs) emergency youtube okay okay and and in that i think he says it's not going to kill you right it's going to be really hard but it's not going to kill you you may wish to you know i've had plenty of thoughts and fantasies about ways to end the pain Mm. you know Mm. But that was a desire to get away from what I was feeling. It wasn't right. a desire to not be here. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, it's freedom from the pain rather than freedom so, from life. Mm. Yeah. But like we kind of reflected on before, at the same time, there can be that something that you don't know what it is that is you're still here now. Yeah. And like we spoke about before, I've got such more resilience now after going through what I went through Mm. because if it comes again and it may well I think well I've done it I've done it you have you have and you know I'll do it again if I have to Mm. (laughs) you know and that's really powerful in itself that you know you faced the darkest thing so that then anything else coming along you think well I know how to do that I don't want to face it again but I know how to if I have to and that's really empowering and, and it will pass. It will pass. Everything changes. The nature of the universe is everything changes. Literally nothing is capable of remaining the same. So it has to change. And it will. It just takes its own sweet time to yeah. <laughs> do it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But um, but again, the little moments of tapping into yourself in all the different ways, the yoga, the walking, the painting, the breathing those little things do trickle in little bit by bit bit by bit Mm. and you get you get stronger and more authentic Mm -hmm. in yourself yeah it's not about trying to be a better person trying to be a calm person no it's about deepening into yourselves your your strength um and your your authentic self yeah. So ulti- ultimately, out of this, I believe and I feel much more stronger in myself. Mm. I feel when I was six years old, I died and lost myself. Mm. But through this, I was reflecting on it last night. I feel almost like I'm the same person, you know, like that you were at I six. Well, I was at six, and, yes. and my life has had that trajectory through, and there yeah. hasn't been a death and a gap. No, no, that's remarkable. That is so fascinating, isn't it? How you can get that huge disconnection. And then when you somehow 
reattach to that inner child and you allow yourself to be your true self. And I talk about it in a joking way, actually, with friends. Often I'll say about becoming a more distilled version. It's like, a, you know, a distilled gin. I just become more myself and more able to just show that version of myself and less shameful and more accepting and more loving and compassionate of that version of, of, of ourselves. And that tiny version, that young version is so profound the impact that, that can have on your life the ripple effect of that is huge because you aren't embarrassed of yourself you aren't shameful you aren't guilty you know you can just be you and present mm. in the moment as you are in this moment and that that is okay and that's good yeah and that's enough and Literally, it is, that enough. is enough oh yeah you know yeah. I I am I live so much more vulnerably now than I did before yeah but through the experience of the pain when it was everything was ripped from me and I was at my most vulnerable there was this weird paradox of feeling huge vulnerability but absolute joy and strength at the same time and this sort of vision or awareness and understanding of what vulnerability is really changed for me Mm. and it's often seen as such weakness but it's actually it's a place of such strength and authenticity and if I'm being vulnerable it means I'm being honest and open and therefore my life is a reflection of that and I'm have an honest and open in life which I'm experiencing authentically and I hope that other people then come into my life in an authentic way and if they don't I can maybe observe that and then have the strength to be like okay this isn't working in my matrix of Mm. vulnerability and and put some boundaries in with all the love and compassion that we have because we are all connected ultimately anyway I absolutely Um, love what you've just said there I think it's so so powerful and I just feel that there's been so many incredible things that the listeners would have got from listening to this conversation today and I just want to say thank you for being so vulnerable and so honest because what I find you know as time goes on is the more vulnerable I am the deeper the connections I make and and vulnerability is as you say strength vulnerability is being in a place of power as long as we're protecting ourselves and being compassionate and loving and and looking after ourselves, putting boundaries in, vulnerability is good. It's not a bad thing. Having vulnerabilities, having things that we know are our strengths and weaknesses is good. You know, that's knowing ourselves and yeah, absolutely. Yes, love what you've (laughs) just spoken about there. I'm just conscious of of the time and I was just thinking it'd be really so lovely for people to hear a bit more about what you do now and where this has led you to now. Tell everyone a little bit about what you're doing at the moment. So what I do now in my work life is I work as a yoga therapist and my yoga training and yoga therapy training happened all before the sort of experience I've talked about now. Mm but it has definitely helped inform me with the way I work Mm. with people. I generally do one-to-one clients and really focusing on mental health. Mm. I do a lot of work with adults with various disabilities and so on and so forth. But my mission really is whoever you are, is for you to arrive and provide you a space with me to be completely just as you are as you find yourself in that moment and then I would apply yoga practices you know and and philosophy to help you be more you because it's in you already I'm not I don't have to teach you to do anything I'm just sharing a space so you can help support you uncover that so that you can live live more calmly peacefully but also manage the times when they're hard, mm. you know, mm. um, because they will come. Yeah. Can't have the light without the dark and all yes. that. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, hopefully offer a loving space so people can come autonomous in, in their life in that way. Oh, that's gorgeous. I feel like I should come to you for some sessions. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we how do we find you? How can people connect with you? What's the best way to get in touch? Probably my Instagram, Remedy Yoga Therapy, Facebook, Remedy Yoga Therapy. 
just drop me a message there to have some new followers yeah Yeah. and people connect up because you know it's such a a powerful message and I think there'll be so much for people to get from this so thank you because you know I know you've had to be really brave and really vulnerable and I just feel like it will give people so much strength and hope through listening to your story and and also realness there's there's so much realness in what you've said so much authenticity in what you've said today about you know the good times do come but also the bad times are are going to come as well and the difficult times are going to be there and that's okay you know we we are okay and we will be okay and we have resilience and strength and and all of these tools within us it's all within us all of our power and and that's something so reassuring I think for people to to hear and be reassured even if they don't know it in this moment yeah you've just got to love all of it yes you know yes yeah love it it. love it all yeah feel it all love it all (laughs) love that thank you so much jd thank you wasn't that just incredible I am blown away by Jodie's courageous vulnerability and this really incredible story. She's really taken us right into those most raw and painful and dark moments and we're the greater for it. We really are. What an incredible story to share with us and I feel very honoured to have been taken on the journey with her. What I also find so interesting about our vulnerability is it just helps us to feel more connected. I feel very connected to Jodie and almost protective of her in terms of what she's been through because I understand how difficult it is and how painful it is. And I and I hope that you're able to feel some of that too because I do feel like this is how we begin to really connect and really understand when people are going through debilitating mental health conditions and really what they need is our support and it doesn't matter whether we understand exactly what they're going through what matters is that we support them whatever there is still so much work for us to do in terms of mental health being mainstream enough that it is totally acceptable to take a day off work for your mental health and for anybody to speak about it without feeling any sort of shame or guilt or any of those negative feelings around it there's still a long way for us to go but I do feel that we're making such great progress and and it's all small steps in the right direction just like Jodie's story if you loved what you heard today please let us know I absolutely love to hear from you so you can drop us a line and let us know what you thought or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts we absolutely love to hear from you and your point of view or maybe you'd like to be on the podcast and you feel that you've got a story to share if so get in touch you can find us at www.dawnbreaks.co.uk otherwise you'll hear from me soon